Just a heads up, this episode does contain coarse language, as a lot of them do, but nothing too bad. Anyone who's ever relocated to another country is familiar with the range of emotions that can come with it. This is a podcast about people leaving their home and moving to another country, and a lot of other themes related to this topic. It explores the question, what is home? Is it just a place of residence or something more than that? Welcome to the Residence Podcast. I I wouldn't bother with that this weekend. You know, this weekend I would just chill out, just get to know the town a bit, you know, relax, get your bearings. Um, And then next weekend, mate, I would go to Krakow. But yeah, don't bother with that this weekend. On my first night in Oshvenshim, sitting in the living room of the apartment I'd be sharing with another teacher from the Netherlands, my new manager was telling me what he felt was the best approach to settling into a routine of work, partying, learning the language, and meeting new people. Go to Krakow, get absolutely obliterated, nail yourself to the cross, whatever, but just, yeah, just don't bother with that this weekend. His name was Tomek, and he was around 27 at the time. I was around 22. And he was quite a highly strung character. God damn it, they're the worst fucking team ever. Hey, Tomek, relax, it's a replay. Originally from England, he'd moved to Poland several years prior and was engaged to be married to a local. He spoke quickly and a lot and with a gravelly voice as he lit one cigarette with another, pausing in his speech only to inhale and exhale. On that very first night, only minutes after I dropped my bags in the apartment, he arrived with two other teachers. Jim, who was quite a shy character from somewhere in the south of England and was an avid lover of football and with an encyclopedic knowledge of history, and Ben, equally as intelligent and knowledgeable of history, but slightly more rough and ready. Hey, looks like you fucked up. And outspoken. Tomic launched straight into it. Mate, it's fucking freezing out there. Oh, hey, you Tomic? Oh, hey. Did you get that email? A few laughs appeared from behind Tomek, making it clear that there was a joke I wasn't getting. I checked my emails days later and apparently people had been quite worried as to my whereabouts. As I mentioned in episode 1, I was just wandering around absent-mindedly in a train station in central Poland and had forgot to inform my future boss that I was okay and on my way. And Tomek had made me aware in an email how much this had worried and upset him my very first exposure to his emotive, unpredictable personality. And this first night in Poland was the first time I'd witnessed this in person. After several hours of drinking, we decided to go to the local servo on an alcohol run, and then to switch it up and finish off the night at Ben's apartment on the other side of town. In Poland at the time, you were and probably still are able to buy alcohol at the petrol station corner stores and in a whole bunch of other random places you can't in Australia and other countries. And it wasn't unusual to see young people standing at the front, slugging beers and smoking cigarettes, making out, arguing and brawling at any time of the night or early morning. On this particular morning it was us. We stocked up on beer and we grabbed a bottle of vodka and a few packs of cigarettes. I fumbled around with some Swedish money before Ben took charge and was all like, don't worry about that lad, go get some change in the morning. Ah, cheers mate. I responded. We got chatting and he told me his story, how he'd recently arrived there as a way 
to escape what he felt was a bit of a shallow existence living and working and partying in London. I liked him instantly, but also knew that he wasn't someone to mess with, and my instincts would be proven correct in only a matter of hours. At Ben's we sat down and put every one of the bottles on the table, threw a few ashtrays next to them, cracked the windows ajar so the clouds of smoke to come could exit into the freezing cold winter night, and put on some Ian Brown. The song Fear, we had it on repeat. Something that would become our drinking ritual, and a song that I can't listen to this day without thinking about my friends in Oshvenshin. As we consumed more alcohol, and the night slipped away from us, I noticed that with increasingly slurred speech amongst this small group, came an unfamiliar tension. Something I could tell had been building before I arrived. In high school, I used to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and for reasons I can't remember, I decided to share this with the group. It wasn't long before, as often happened when I told people in my younger years that I did this martial arts, that people, Ben specifically, wanted to see some moves. Reluctantly, I obliged, and before I knew it, we were on our feet and about to engage in what I was hoping would be playful, but physical combat. Before I knew what had happened, we'd gripped each other's clothes and were throwing each other from one side of the room to the other. Luckily, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a martial art that is good for tall skinny guys, or skinny people in general, and it helps you use your opponent's body weight against them. It also gives you the skills to defend yourself and inflict harm whilst remaining close to your opponent so they can't strike you, so perfect in this situation. Both became more determined as we threw each other all around this Polish apartment, stationed on top of a five-floor old communist block. I remember hearing pots and pans, glasses, drops of the floor one by one. I heard people I hardly knew plead with us to stop in the background. Guys, come on, stop it! As I heard these voices, I looked up, viewing the destruction over my opponent's shoulder as we hugged and gripped each other tight. Aside from the countless vodka shots I'd already consumed, all the physical exertion had blurred my vision even further, but I could still make out all the destruction of this little game and what it had caused. Taking full advantage of my distraction, Ben, while still keeping me close, repositioned himself to hug my abdomen as I got back in the game and gripped his neck as he moved back further slightly away from me. He was a really tough opponent, and it was clear that he'd done this kind of thing many times before. After this, I used the cupboard as a springboard to take both of us to the ground, where on the way we took a large round table down with us, sending ashtrays, vodka, beer bottles, and a CD player into the air before they all hit the ground at the same time, causing a crash so loud it probably woke half the town, and undoubtedly most of the building. We lay there on the ground for the briefest moment, the silence louder than the crash that had just occurred. I heard a couple of footsteps walk across broken glass and then gently stop. I heard the yelling of an elderly woman on the stairwell outside in that harsh language that I couldn't understand. I then looked up and saw both Tomek and Jim with their mouths wide open 
as if frozen in time. Their only movement, their eyeballs darting left and right, scanning the wreckage. I slowly looked over at Ben with uncertainty, confusion, and then back at my new boss, whom I'd only known for roughly two hours as we lay on the floor in a small apartment in a small but famous town in a country I'd only been in for 24 hours. At that moment, Ben started to smile before we both broke into raucous laughter, investigating the wounds that we had. You're right, lad. Yeah, I think so, man. You? Bloody hell, you almost had me. For a really brief moment, I almost forgot about the damage we'd caused before Tomek broke from his trance and zeroed right in on Ben. Mate, when the cops get here, you're going to have to explain yourself in Poland. As if that weren't enough, after this, Ben and Tomek almost came to blows before we were both thrown out of the apartment. Tomek and I then wandered around the freezing cold streets back to my apartment on the other side of town. Mate, what the bloody hell just happened? Oh, I'm really sorry about that. Mate, don't be. Him and I are always bloody locking horns for some reason. I don't know. I suggested to Tomek that I go round and help clean up the next day, but he said not to worry about it. So, mate, welcome to Auschwitz. Tomek motioned to his left just as we started to cross one of the town's main bridges, and for a brief moment, I thought I'd spotted one of the camps, but I hadn't. I hadn't at all yet. But it was one of the first of many quiet moments where the history of this place would make its gentle, eerie presence known. We eventually reached my apartment, and after arriving, Tomek lay down on the couch and passed out instantly. It took me a little longer, probably because I had a thousand thoughts swirling around in my head. But eventually, I did the same. The next day, we got in his car, which had been parked out the front of my new place all night and headed over to Ben's. They greeted each other and had a short conversation, which I couldn't hear from the car. They shook hands and then got in the vehicle I was sitting in. We drove through what felt like a lot of the same villages as the train trip I'd taken on my way to Oshrenshim. But it was hard to tell, as to me, everything looked the same underneath this blanket of thick snow that seemed to cover the entire country in the early days of February 2005. We drove to the school halfway to Krakow, where we had our first lesson on how to teach Polish students the language we'd been using for about 22 years. That weekend was spent mostly on my own, wandering around the town, shaking off fatigue, a two-day hangover, a bit of homesickness, missing Sweden, doing groceries, writing emails at the local internet cafe, smoking cigarettes and catching up on sleep. We did take Tomek's advice though and made our way into Krakow the next weekend after pre-gaming at my apartment with two other teachers. I'll tell you all about that in the next instalment, where mixed in with all the fun I was having, I come up against another dilemma. One familiar to travellers and expats the world over. When you arrive at a place, settle in and make a life for yourself, and then experience that all too familiar doubt. That question that gently appears in the back of your thoughts, when things get a little hard. Can I really see this through? <laughs>